Hello and welcome again to the SaaS Growth Podcast. This week we are here with Lucas Herman, the founder of StageTimer.io. This episode covers Lucas's experience growing StageTimer, some of the struggles he had with marketing in the beginning, and the importance of knowing and talking to your customers. Enjoy. Hi, Lucas. <laughs> How are you hey. today? I'm, I'm doing fine. For me, it's the morning, so I'm, I'm fresh. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> Yeah, so stage time is a really interesting app where it's super simple, but it seems to fill this niche inside the broadcasting industry that was completely undiscovered and it's been really successful. It's going to like a thousand customers. Everything I see about it is raving and raving. An amazing product. But Lucas, how did you how did you come up with the idea? What was the what was the driving force behind Stage Timer? Yeah, maybe maybe I, I just say what it is so so people kind of understand how the idea came about in a funny way. I, I usually say like if you have ever seen a TED talk, you see the person on stage and then there's like this red display of a time in front of them that says, you know, you have five minutes left because there are always 20 minute blocks or so. And we are making not this timer, but a timer like this. So that that's the product. What happened to me, how I discovered it, a friend had like a, a studio setting here in the city that I live and he would have a, one room where he would do the recording and you know, there was a, the person standing for the screen screen speaking to the camera and then he would sit in the other room, uh, do the cut and the record and the, everything. And everything was remote controlled except for this timer that he had on a old outdated laptop sitting on a chair. And in order to start it, he had to get up, run into the room, you know, hit the button, run back, and then everything else would be remote controlled and automated. And I thought, this cannot be the solution to this problem. <laughs> <laughs> so did you just like whip out the laptop and start coding straight away? Or like... I was on my laptop because I was doing something else. I thought somebody has coded this solution that I just click a button here or on the other computer, it starts a timer. Some, somebody has done it, right? It's such an obvious, easy thing to code. And I didn't find it. I found like stuff you can download, you know, but nothing that's just web app, open a website, do it. But because I was kind of looking for ideas at the same time, right? Everybody wants to start a SaaS business, like looking for ideas. So what is the hot trend, you know, right now is AI. And, and back then I was like, instead of looking for the most interesting idea, I thought, what is the easiest, stupidest, simplest thing I can do just so I get my hands dirty and see how it works. That's the idea. You know, a timer coded it up in the weekend. I put it online. Reddit post, right? I was like, I put it online, right? I was like, okay, who's going to use this now? Like, I don't need it. I build this, <laughs> I, I code it for somebody else. So I, I look on Reddit. Okay, surely there's some kind of subreddit where these people hang out. It takes me like hours to find the subreddit. It's, it's really surprisingly hard to find subreddits if, if you're not like off the industry. I find when I post it there and I get some really moderate response, but people are like, oh, this is amazing. This is what I've been looking for uh, all these years. Like, I'm, I'm going to try this for my next event. It's like, oh, you should add this and this and this feature. So, hmm. <laughs> and, you know, not the Reddit response I, I would have expected from, from scrolling front page. Well, you did that thing where you actually asked for advice though, right? Which I think is... I, I, made this, I made this thing over the weekend, you know, check it out. Do you think it's useful? And people are really helpful. Reddit's a real hostile environment. If they feel like they're being marketed to, they're just awful. Yeah. As long as you're asking their opinion and sort of engage, especially engaging with the community, they seem to really love it. So you seem to do a really good job of that, at least at the initial stages. Yeah, so I did only make, I made only two posts on Reddit. This one initial one, and then like one six months later, I say, hey, thank you for your feedback back then. You know, you helped me. And, and now I added all these features and, and made it into real business. It's kind of like this thank you post. And I felt like this does not marketing speak. And then people, mm -hmm. people responded to it well. Funnily enough, there was another tool a few months afterwards, somebody built an open source version of Kaizen My Timer and they posted on the same subreddit and their first 
post really good response and then I observed it and he posted like every week he posted updates and after a while people just didn't care anymore so yeah so on, on reddit you get like one shot you know maybe two yeah. and that's it like yeah, the, exactly. the patience is very thin you can do the old like a year or two later <laughs> like I'm doing it again sure. but it's, yeah, you're right attention spans are really really thin how that reddit post convert like especially the second one when you sort of had more of a fully fresh product so the, the first one was, I would say, really surprising because it got way more eyeballs than I expected. Like compared to the comments, you get a lot of eyeballs. What really made Stage Charming into a product is that these people kept coming back, right? I looked into the statistics, like, okay, like they're still like, you know, one, one two weeks later, there's still activity and people, people are coming back and, and using it still. That was really um, encouraging. And then when I launched the paid integration, right, because I was working at the time, so it took me evenings and, and weekends to, to build all that. When I launched the paid integration eight months later, there was actually somebody signed up the very day based off of like a tweet that I posted. And I asked the person, I wrote, I literally wrote him on Twitter, like, hey, uh, why did you buy this? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I saw it, you know, eight months ago, I saw your Reddit post and I have been using it ever since and I love new software and I want to support it. It's just mind boggling to me how this kind of one Reddit post carried over into, into the first customer. Did that sort of have quite a few customers coming through at that point, or was it a really quick burst and then trailed off? So the, the attribution is actually quite hard. Now, how do you know that somebody comes from Reddit? I asked that first person who told me. We only added this kind of checkbox way later. But from the questions that we did ask individual people, they really mostly heard it from others. Because I found this industry subreddit where people are that, that really use this tool, they shared it among each other, which was great for us in the beginning. Did you do anything to encourage the word of mouth or were you just happy to take the free marketing? <laughs> like literally nothing. Like we, we thought, how do we do a, a, a referral program or something? And then we, we looked into it and it was like, how, how does this all work? Didn't have the time to implement it. And so, yeah, all, all we really did is to make sure, like when I build it, right? I thought, what kind of built-in marketing can I use here? Um, and I love the Dropbox story, you know, where you say you set up an account, but then if you share you know, this yeah. link with somebody and they sign up too, like you get more space. Or if you share like yeah. a, your file with somebody, you know, they see yeah, you use Dropbox. the credit account to use it and then you get like two gigs or something. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I thought, is there something where if people use the, the product natural, they, they share it. It's built in, right? That, that you, you, you get a link and you open this yeah, link on another computer in front of the talent or it's in, in front of whatever backstage people or audio people that look at the same screen and i just want to make sure that every one of those screens has my logo on it and my logo is like literally to the main name right i'm not making that some fancy stuff like stagetimer.io that's the logo <laughs> so somebody sees it and i hope hopefully remembers it and, and goes from there so what, what have you done what do you do now to sort of get customers is it still mainly word of mouth or is there some more active marketing there's way more active marketing so word of mouth is still a very big part i would say up to 40 percent of our customers come through that we have done a lot of google ads now search engine optimization the organic side of people finding us on google and then also the paid side we gave them around a thousand thousand five hundred dollars per month to put our page on some front you know up in center it helped to be honest less than we expected and we are not quite sure why maybe because it's very niche 
people looking for timers can be like people looking for egg timers and like countdowns to you know end of the year and the ones that are re really relevant for us are, are kind of a subset that is more on, on a video production event production live environment people have a lot of problems with google adwords for similar reasons yeah. right where it's that signal to noise note ratio just like gets out of kilter you can end up yeah. spending a lot of money on noise like it amplifies your natural seo but if, if it wouldn't have converted these people anyway then just throwing money after nothing <laughs> exactly exactly like how do you know if, if your articles really convert you know it's really hard to find out and then yeah ads go into the same direction it's like do they really convert like and then we're observing right and now the quality that come from ads are actually way lower like the people spend way less money with us and, and churn much earlier than people that we get on the, the kind of organic way so other than adwords and word of mouth i've seen you show up at some conferences how's that worked out for you as like a way of connecting with the industry yeah <laughs> we thought let's go to a trade show let's, <laughs> let's find out did you set up a booth no we or? We didn't set up a booth because it was 5,000 bucks. Like a tiny booth in some corner between like five Chinese. Yeah, it's just behind, behind a pillar. It's <laughs> like, we're not doing this. Let's just walk around and see what we find. And uh, it's totally overwhelming because this industry is really big. And uh, there's people there that have like the whole center of the conference hall and, and they're having like cameras where each camera costs half a million. And then we there, you know, with our tiny, tiny timer. Um, but to our surprise, some people actually recommended us. We had our T-shirts and came. Ah, oh, I'm using Stage Charmer, so awesome! Thank you. And then we you know handing out our merch. So you you are asking, what do we do now for marketing? And I think something that is completely underrated among almost all indie hackers, bootstrappers, and general SaaS people in the beginning is understanding your customer. You know, you get your first customer and you talk to a few of them. You know nothing about your customer. Like we we have a thousand customers. We still don't know enough about them. So we have this big problem that some of the people using our tool are individual contractors. They do it on a very small scale basis. And they go and they look for a timer and they say, all right, it's like 20 bucks is, is fine. I can use that on a tool, no problem. Above that, it's like, I have to think twice. And we want to be below this think twice limit. But then they have two extremes here. That the one is like the non-profit. And, and they write us and say, 20 is, is so expensive. Can you like make a special deal for us? And they expect us to give it essentially for free. And then on the other extreme, we have the bigger corporation, the, the, the really big event company. And like, they look at everything below $5,000 for the event. You know, it doesn't even go on the list. <laughs> and, now, and now our question is, how do you capture both markets? We know that the individual, the small guy, is the one that introduces our tool to the big guys, right? He comes to the event, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm using this awesome tool. And that's how we go come into the, the big companies. So we need them to be able to use it. But how do you make the cut between like the package that they use and the package that we want the large corporation to use, which is maybe 10 times more expensive? It's not easy to do. Like, how do you justify 10 times more value in a product with marginal features? That's exactly a problem, right? Where you've got these two massively different spending habits and you're anchoring yourself to this $19 price point. It's like, we, that is what it costs to address this other one. We're yeah. now anchored to $19. I'm sure there are tools out there that could happily charge thousands, even a month on these sorts of things. It's just, Absolutely. It's, yeah. We made a decision very early on. We don't want to have a few uh, large customers. We want to have many small customers. Just it gives it's us stability. It, it kind of avoids doing this like custom build tool for very large companies. And then you're locked into this kind of sales yeah. process. 
We didn't want that. You so see a lot I'm, of businesses fail for exactly that, right? Where they just have one or yeah. two massive customers who are like 30 to 50% of the revenue and that company pulls out and suddenly they're, they're sitting on all these developers and all these expenses and, well, I can't afford them anymore. It's, it's a great idea to um, diversify. And... It t- takes much longer to grow, but otherwise you have this problem, you know, if you have three customers, one pulls out 30% of your revenue just went away overnight and you can go bankrupt from that. Is this your main source of income at the moment? It is my main source of income, but I'm working already kind of 50% of my time on, on the next project. Because for me, in the beginning, right, I, I thought, stupid timer, who, like, how much money can you earn from this timer? A thousand <laughs> per month, maybe, right? Now, two months ago, we, we crossed 10,000 per month. But in my mind, I thought, you know, at least I need to work on the next on the next project that has more potential to be bigger. If I look back, though, so over your journey, is there anything you would have changed or do differently between your first customer and where you are now if i would start over again i probably would do the same mistakes again Um, perfect information though like now you've got information that you didn't have i think it is completely underestimated how important it is to stay simple every complexity introduced it just makes you so much slower later on here's a, a practical example we have very typical SaaS pricing monthly yearly yearly a bit cheaper right so we encourage people and then the two the two tier plan tier one tier two the one has a few a bit less features cheaper you know more features more expensive but then we found out people have like one event and then they don't have something for two months and then they have an event again or maybe only one a year and they don't want to pay for the whole year so we had crazy churn because people would purchase the monthly and then they would churn right away and they would just say yeah i don't need it so why don't we make a package just for them like it's one event you pay no subscription fine okay now we already have six payment plans so either monthly yearly and one-time purchase for two different tiers and then we said well but here's the problem we're in europe and then we are in the us and then we are in australia and then we are you know japan we have customers let's make prices that kind of work for everybody so we manually set prices that look good in dollar and that look good in euro and that look good in Australian dollars and in, in Brazilian reais and in uh, you know Japanese uh, currency. Fast forward two, two years later and we say, ah, oh, we really need team billing, right? Let's invite team members and kind of, that they pay per seat. That's and I'm good. literally in this situation right now that I'm thinking, okay, now there's like seats and there's two plans and there's three payment modalities per plan and there's... Uh, like manual set prices for each of them you can you can imagine this like this, this tree of like options that you have to set just to get everything right i was just sitting here with my wife a few days ago and we said you know what let's just simplify it let's get rid of the, the monthly plan let's kind of extend our one-time license to 30 days so it covers all these people that need it you know let's let's get rid of this let's get rid of that you know simplify pricing simplify this simplify that however it's always harder to simplify than to make it easy in the first place so next time i would definitely say keep it simple if there's no reason to have two two tiers in your pricing don't have two tiers just have one tier you know if there's no reason to have custom dollar custom currency amounts for every country don't have it we want to talk about the challenges you're facing now you're talking about you're going to hit the second stage of your business what is that looking like for you at the moment what do you think you need to do to sort of move into that new phase so i, I think in order to understand the second phase you have to understand what is the first phase of a business <laughs> and and so when you start your SaaS business you I, I call it like you throw the spaghetti at a wall face any direction and see what sticks 
And you said, what, what product can I do? You know, you build a product in one week, you build one the next week, you build one the third week. You try to validate them. And then the, the next question is what marketing works, right? And then you said, that's what we did, right? We said, okay, let's do Facebook ads, let's do LinkedIn ads, let's do YouTube ads, let's do Google ads, you know, what, what works? Nine out of 10 of these don't work or are too expensive or too complicated. And then one of them is like, okay, I feel comfortable with that, let's do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and you repeat this process for everything, right? You do, I just explained the pricing, right? It's just like throw spaghetti, like what, 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 I could method plan, this plan, this plan, this height, you know, you increase your prices and, and you get nervous and you, you lower them again and you try around and you make packages and, and features and stuff. And then you do landing pages and, and use case pages and compare pages and search engines, like every single thing you do, it's just, okay, let me try out what works and you iterate and iterate and change it all the time. And, and um, that's your first phase of the business. And it will bring you your early adopters and it will bring you your first hundred customers, your first 500 customers, depending on, you know, B2B, B2C, how big. But eventually you come to the point where you say, okay, I, I know my landing page works. I know more or less what kind of channels convert, where do my customers come from? I know who my customers are. I know what features they actually use and need on a daily basis. And now you're thinking, okay, how can I take all this firing in all direction that I did before and focus it in a single direction? Right? What is my one plan that I, that this, this straight way that I walk? Yeah, let me start spinning this flywheel, right? And, and let me put energy into this one thing that I know works. And the more energy I put into this one thing, the faster, faster, faster it gets. And this is the phase that we are just entering now. I said before, right? You don't really know your customer. And that's that's really true. And we don't even know it until today. So we, we are really planning to interview people and say, like, like if you what features are you actually using? Like, what is the most important for you? What is the what is kind of the, the happy path that you use every single time you use our app? So it's also filtering out customers. In the beginning, it's like my app for teachers, my app for nurses, my app for whatever, financial analysts. And then you understand eventually, okay, the ones that really are most happy, you know, the ones that buy my app and never complain are those people. You know, the other ones, they all complain, it's too expensive, it does have, does do this, doesn't do this. That's the noise. Filter out the noise, look for the people that don't complain, that are just happy and paying. Basically ignore, quote unquote, all the other ones. Like don't put all the energy into those, put all your energy into the happy ones. Understand your happy ones, put all your energy here build a tool that works best for them. It's definitely something I've said in my professional life before in like my web design, web developer side of things, where it's like, you really want to make one group just ecstatic. You want to make them so unbelievably yep. happy with your tool. And then like anyone, any other spheres you happen to get at the same time, it's like, it's gravy, but like you want to find Absolutely. one group and just nail it for that one group. I suppose it's another challenge yep. of simplifying and being like, what does this one group really need yep. and how would I make it? the best possible experience for them. Absolutely. And you know, every now and then someone says, oh, I'm using your tool for like horse racing. Perfect. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and um, it, the danger here is, as I said before, the people that are unhappy with your tool are louder than the people that are happy with your tool. So throughout this time of you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall, you always have this temptation of making the unhappy people happy. And that's why your, your tool can get very complex because it adds features that the happy people don't need. And that's why this, this process is so important. What are you tracking your business to make sure you're on the right path? So that's actually, this is it's surprisingly hard. So we thought, you know, eventually your, your business is one year old. You got your customers and you're like, 
like I should be measuring things, you know, I should be knowing things about my business. What do I need to know? Like you have no clue. What do I need to know? And uh, the, the first and obvious is your, your, your revenue. Like how much money do I earn? How much money do I spend? How much profit is there? How much money do I spend per customer? That's easy. These statistics are easy. Now comes the hard part. Like how many people that come to my website actually buy? And why do they buy? Like, how do you, how in the world do you measure this? And um, like, I tried, I tried Google Analytics, I tried other analytics software, you know, like doing this and, and making handstands. And it's like, I have no, no clue. Like, I just, you just see these graphs, they go up and down, they don't really tell you anything. Like, ah, it's nice if they go up, but why do they go up? And, and is it good if they go up? What we decided is, let's do the, the, the other extreme. We just ask people. The first thing we wanted to know is, kind of why do you use our tool in the first place? How do you know about our tool, right? Where do you come from? So when people, just after they purchased, they come to this page and says, ah, you know, thank you for purchasing your new plan, blah, blah. And then right there, it's like, how did you hear from us? And then people can select. And I made sure that it's only like five, four, four options, just to make sure like people are not overwhelmed and then ignored entirely. It's like a very kind of no brainer click. Okay, then we found out a lot of people come through Google, a lot of people come through recommendation. Nobody comes through Facebook. And then, and then we, we, need, we, we got to know also some, because we have like a wild card field, people can just write in. So we know, okay, this podcast mentioned us or this kind of community, Discord community talks about us. And then the next thing you want to know is like, why do people not want to use us anymore? In, in the beginning, we literally just wrote manual email everybody who canceled we just wrote them an email like hey uh, is anything wrong with with our app uh, do, do you need a refund what did something not work the, this was the magic email because like everybody wrote like no no everything was perfect we don't need a refund we just like our event is over or i'm not working at the company anymore or, so we wrote out all the reasons understanding what do our customers need and that's where the kind of okay let's make a, a one-time package for them because they just need it once and, and now the next step is kind of understanding like, how do you use it, right? And instead of going in and kind of logging every single click in our website, because the hard thing about logging clicks is there's features you need to click 10 times to use properly. And there's a feature you only need once a day. Like, I don't know, you have an export feature that creates PDF. People click on it once per week, maybe. But this is the optimal usage. Well, another, another feature you need to kind of, you click every, I don't know, four minutes, you know, advance to the next thing. Yeah. It's like people click it all the time. Now in your statistics, the one shows up as this big curve and the other one show, doesn't show up at all. And it doesn't really give you an idea if people use it or not. That's a problem we had. So we decided, let's just ask them, like, do you use this? Do you use this? Do you, like, is it helpful to you? And really work with anecdotal evidence. And what we found out is if you ask four, five, six people, uh, you get already incred an incredibly good picture of the usefulness of a feature. Even better, you can ask, like, how, what could make this even better? Like, how, how would you like? And people just, you know, people love to complain. They say, ah, oh, you know, if I could select two of them at the same time, or if I can have another button that does this and this. And, and suddenly you understand, okay, they use it in this way, but they use it in, an, in a more advanced way than I actually thought. So I need to give them a bit more capabilities with this tool. So for you, like direct customer feedback was like the most important. It's, it's the easiest to understand. It's the most helpful. Yeah. 
that's what we observed yeah i mean in my again in my professional career and anytime we talked to users it was always so eye-opening we, yep. we remember how wrong we were too <laughs> like we're wrong all the time your entire work as a, as, a, as a founder and product kind of owner is really making your tool less wrong <laughs> yeah this has been a, this has been an absolute pleasure lucas i've, I've loved this chat thank you for your time uh, yeah this was awesome <laughs> So that was Lucas Herman, the founder of stagetimer.io. You can contact Lucas at underscore L Herman on Twitter. You can also reach him at lucasherman.dev. Lucas loves chatting to founders in the European area especially, so feel free to reach out and ask for advice or tips. So thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be notified of all future episodes, you can sign up to the newsletter on carlanderson.xyz where I'll also send you some helpful tips on how to grow your SaaS business.